Welcome to the Agriculture Revolution podcast, where you will explore the world of agriculture through the lens of entrepreneurship and innovation. By interviewing experts in a diverse set of careers, this podcast provides an interdisciplinary and comprehensive insight into some of the most prominent and pressing developments in agriculture. Whether you're interested in food security, sustainability, AI technology, or just interested in learning more about agriculture, this is the show for you. And now your host, Julian Jensen Lim. Hello, everybody. I'm delighted to bring you another episode of the Agriculture Revolution podcast. My name is Julian Jensen Lim, and today on the show, we'll be discussing how entrepreneurship and technology impacts the agriculture industry and promotes sustainability. We'll be joined by Lerone Brish, who is the founder and CEO of FarmDog, the leading pest and disease management platform for growers and agronomists. Lerone, it is a pleasure to have you on today, and would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you, Julian. I appreciate your having me on and allowing me to, to share my story and, and talk about entrepreneurship and ag tech. Uh, my quick background, I grew up in Texas, born in Israel, grew up in Texas. If you go back to my grandparents' generation, they had farmland in Eastern Europe on my dad's side, on my mom's side. They owned a butcher shop outside of Tel Aviv together. Um, then the ag world skipped my parents' generation, and I'm very glad to be back back in it. Uh, my background, as I mentioned, I grew up in Texas, but in Austin, so I'm not going to pretend like I grew up on a farm. I studied finance at the University of Texas, then studied law at NYU Law School, then went into consulting at McKinsey, which is an international consulting firm. While at McKinsey, I had my first true exposure both to agriculture and technology. I was working on touch technology in 2008 or nine before the iPad came out, where the question was, what industries is touch and mobile technology going to affect? And obviously the answer was everything. And also started to work with grocery stores around the world on their fruit and vegetable supply chain. Uh, so really trying to reduce the amount of waste, um, amount of fruits and vegetables being thrown out compared to what was going in through their door until it got to the end consumer. During that time also became a partner in a couple of farm to fork restaurants down in Texas. And so exposed to the challenges of the, of the local uh, farmer's market type of farmers, and then founded FarmDog around four years ago. Wow, that's really cool how you've kind of been in all these different industries, studying finance and then law at NYU, and then later becoming a consultant. Yep. It's, uh, you know, in, I, I, it was one of those things where as an entrepreneur, you can connect the dots to make a story, but when you actually look at it, it just looks like one of those scattered plots of dots all over the place and, and, uh, and force-fitting <laughs> force something. Okay, so let's get right into it. Can you tell me about your startup and business model? It seems that in the industrial age, many businesses and individuals are chasing high yields while compromising sustainability. How are you working to balance the two out? Yeah, great question. So FarmDog's ultimate mission is to help growers reduce pesticide use, protect their yields, and promote environmental sustainability. And that's going to be a mission that you're going to see, well, it's going to be a similar mission to many companies in the space. The challenge in our space is that to prove out that mission, to get to that, it's not something that a farmer can use your technology for a month and you can say, yes, I reduced pesticide use and protected yields, you know, mission success. That's not going to happen, right? It, it's something that lasts over several growing seasons that you have to continuously prove out. The, the challenge is to combine that long-term mission with the value proposition of today, that day one value proposition, as I call it. 
And so the way that FarmDog is built, when I sell our platform to our users, which as you mentioned are farmers or agronomists, the value proposition is not time, is not, excuse me, is not pesticide reduction. I can't prove that within that first year, even the first two years of, of them using us. The value proposition is time savings and improved communication that comes from the traditional analog to digital transformation that you've seen in lots of other industries. Today in, uh, in agriculture, farmers, about 60 to 65% of farmers are still using pen and paper to track their field notes, right? That's, you know, that you can't really compare that to other industries. The second you have that digital transformation, you get that value proposition. Now, in parallel, the great thing is once you digitize, you have that digital database of the information you need in order to ultimately get to, to that decision support tool that will lead to reduced pesticide use um, and protected yields and environmental sustainability. I oftentimes compare it to the transformation that went in the medical field. 20 years ago, if you went to, to a doctor, sometimes still today, the doctor, you'll, they'll have that huge cabinet behind, behind the reception desk with everybody's records, but they're all on paper, with scribbled doctor notes. Now, what did that allow folks to do? It allowed you, when you went to the doctor, the doctor would pull out your note and read your history while he or she is looking at you. Not very helpful. The second we started digitizing those records, it opened up a whole slew of, of opportunity and value proposition. On the one hand, time savings. I'm putting aside for the doctors listening, I know that there's a lot of extra time required due to regulations, I'm putting that aside. The time savings I'm talking about is the fact that when a, a patient comes in, you have his or her um, medical history right in front of you, easily accessible, easily searchable. Communication, right? When I, when I go to the doctor, by the time I get home, even beforehand, I have my, you know, my visit information, sometimes benchmarking me to other people. Um, it also helps out with insurance. It helps out with, uh, with improved lifestyle choices, right? But it all started from that digitization. And so that's really how we're doing it at FarmDog. Day one value proposition that you get from digitization of time savings communication, which then lead to those sustainability improvements that, that everybody's after. Very interesting. How do you guys go about getting that day one value proposition? Can you describe the process of conducting that kind of evaluation? Um, what, what we realized is that kind of best practices of what's called integrated pest management, which is integrated pest management is a model dealing with pest and disease that says, hey, farmer, you have four types of controls available to you for pest and disease management. One is cultural controls, meaning don't plant the exact same thing year over year over year over year because you're just creating a, a home for a specific pest. The second is operational controls. Um, so for example, at the end of the season, if it's tomatoes, for example, many farmers will cut down and burn down their tomato plants so that after harvest so that they don't, again, create a home for pest and disease to stick around. The third is biologicals which says, you know what, ladybugs eat aphids, right? We can use ladybugs or other beneficial insects to eat things. And then the fourth is chemical, which is the, the pesticides. What integrated pest management says is, pesticides aren't necessarily, aren't bad in and of themselves. They should be one tool within your toolkit on what to, on what to use. And so knowing which of these to use when and where, you gotta be out in your field. 
And that's that first step in this whole integrated pest management aspect, which is what's called scouting and what you grow grower or agronomist goes out to their field, they look around and say, oh, I have white fly severity level high. Because of this, I need to use treatment X. That's awesome. 90% of growers and agronomists are doing this in the US, according to the USDA. The challenge or the problem is they're not capturing that data digitally. And so what we said is these groups are made, you know, these people are creating a, a treasure trove of data it needs to be captured, let's give them an easy way to capture it that gives them a value proposition along the way. Yeah, so it seems very clear that this digitization of of data is very beneficial to the farmer in that you know they have all this data available to them. So in your opinion, how is technology shaping the agriculture industry? And what do you think are some promising technologies for the future? So tech is a means to an end, right? in everything, um, is the means to an end to sustainability. And sustainability in agriculture, for me, it's you know it's three aspects. There's the environmental sustainability, which is what we all think of when we initially think of sustainability. But there's also financial sustainability, which is making sure that the farmer can continue to, to have a livelihood. Um, and then there's also social sustainability in terms of keeping our rural communities alive. For me, Sustainability encompasses all those. We could stop using pesticides altogether. We could ban them, right? We could say from here on out, no more pesticides. Great, environmental sustainability, whoop, through the roof. But every farmer is gonna go out of business and the, the social fabric of these communities is going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, we could say, hey farmers, use whatever pesticides you want, as much as you want, wherever you want. Theoretically, I'm not going to get into the details of the operational cost of using pesticides, but theoretically, financial sustainability goes up because, you know, no losses, but environmental sustainability goes way down because, you know, pesticides aren't good at the end of the day. And then over time, we build up resistance, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, you could also make the argument that social sustainability goes down because if you're spraying chemicals all over the place, that's not good for for the rural community or for the person that lives across the fence line from where things are being sprayed. And so tech is a means to an end to optimize for all three of those. Um, and from that aspect, to me, the, you know, I always go back to you can't manage what you can't measure. And so tech should first of all give us an ability to understand, you know, what is out there. Kind of that descriptive data is what is my current state. The next aspect is predictive, right? And helping helping the user predict what will happen if they do X, then Y will happen. And then over time, hopefully you get to prescriptive, which is actually saying, hey, here's what you should do. Now, in agriculture, I think it's very challenging, if not impossible, and also dangerous to get to prescriptive. The reason being you're dealing with nature. Right. There are a million variables out there that, frankly, is going to be impossible for any tech stack to fully capture all of those. And so to me, I think where ag tech is going to end up is a very sophisticated, predictive decision making tool that will eventually allow the grower to make an informed choice um, and really say, oh, here's what technology X is, is predicting for me to do. Let me take that into account once I make that that ultimate decision. And so that's how I see ag tech playing. And again, it's a means to an end. 
um, that helps growers deal with labor issues, helps them deal with agronomic issues, all sorts of deals, all sorts of things. The the ag tech that I think is really exciting, and I'll I'll just lump it into groups. The first one is technology that is easy to use. And that's not really a type of technology, that's a descriptive factor. Um, the reason being is there's, there's been a few phases in the ag tech world. There's the ag tech 1.0, which are the folks who have been around 15, 20 plus years and really were smarter than, than the rest of us and said, hey, there's an opportunity here and let's bring technology to agriculture. Um, the pioneers, frankly, in, in the space. The challenge for many of those is that when you look at their solutions, they look like solutions from 20 years ago. It's like if you and I were to, to turn on our computer and have to deal with MS-DOS. Um, and so for me, the things that excite me the most within AgTech is first of all, anything that is easy to use, um, regardless of whether it's robotics, um, farm management system, scouting application, something that's easy to use because let's remember many, most of our users aren't sitting in an air conditioned room in front of a computer. They're out in the field where it's hot, it's muggy, it's dusty, um, they, may not have, they may not have a network connectivity, things need to work, so that's number one. Number two for me are, are things that are technologies that help growers with labor issues. Today there's a huge labor shortage in agriculture, um, whether it's from the agronomic expertise, um, we just don't, we're not, we're not training and graduating enough agronomists, whether it's the, the manual labor um, out in the fields, which isn't, you know, manual labor has this connotation of anybody can do it. It's very hard work and it's actually, you know, there's sophistication to the work. If you've ever watched a group of, of folks harvesting in specialty crops, for example, that's something that you got to learn to do well, at least do efficiently. Um, so any technologies that work in that, and a few, a few examples um, are some great robotics technologies um, that are out there, whether it's to deal with um, harvesting, which is always really cool to see, um, whether it's deal with, uh, with weeding, and so really replacing herbicides. Um, those are always really exciting to see. Um, and there's a few companies in the space doing that. Um, so that to me is really interesting. And then the next group, which is interesting to me, always interesting, is companies that are integrating different solutions. In the space, if you talk to a company four years ago, you'd ask them, you know, what is your ultimate goal? What is your ultimate vision? They would probably tell you to, to be the be-all, end-all platform for the grower. And we, the company, are going to build all of that. Great, right? It's great that everybody was thinking big. Um, the problem is agriculture technology is really tough. It's really tough for no matter what you're doing. And, you know, I'll put it this way. I don't think that any company, regardless of how much buzz or press they've gotten, regardless of how much money they've raised, regardless of how awesome their videos are, and even regardless of even if they've got really happy clients, has fully solved what it is that they're trying to solve for. Um, whether it's irrigation management, pest and disease management, nutrient management, and, and all these things are interconnected, right? And so for me, I look at this industry as an ecosystem approach that's gonna say there's gonna be companies focusing on a bunch of different things. They're gonna get really smart at their thing. It may be an imagery company. It may be a pest and disease management company. It may be a robotics company. And I know that these things overlap, but I'm purposefully, um, uh, purposely placing them that way. 
And the companies that are starting to integrate with others in order to create this unified solution for the grower, those are exciting to me as well. Because I think those are the ones that are going to ultimately succeed in terms of a, a platform for the grower. Um, which, you know, it's similar. It's almost, to, to simplify it, it's like the Slack model for, for the rest of us. What made Slack so great, in my opinion, is its integration with tens, hundreds. I don't even know how many integrations they have right now. Um, and that made everybody's jobs a thousand times easier. And that's where ag tech is heading. And that's what excites me. So again, it's, to me, it's, it's companies that are building products that are, that are easy to use. It's companies that are dealing with, with labor issues and it's companies that are, that are integrating. Those are all really interesting to me. Yeah, I can definitely see how adopting that interdisciplinary approach uh, to agriculture is extremely beneficial to a company. Yeah. So can you explain the process of how you use advanced data collection and AI in your company? You mentioned before how you know, technology is a means to an end. So can you explain how this data collection really helps benefit your consumer and try to get to those ultimate goals of sustainability and higher crop yield? Yeah, um, it, and I'll, I'll walk kind of through the, the simple value proposition to, to the most advanced AI, machine learning, buzzwords that, that we can think of. The first value prop is really just data access, right? It's, it's being able to go out to your field and easily seeing what you saw last week, where you were last week, what your teammates saw last week and have all that combined and really just data, data entry and data storage value proposition that we take for granted in a lot of other industries. Um, but yet is it hasn't been fully realized here in here in agriculture. So that's number one. The second aspect is being able to visualize that. Um, and so one of the things that we do, for example, the way we, we collect pest and disease data is in a standardized structured georeferenced way, as opposed to just, you know, free text, right? There, there's lots of solutions that allow you to take notes, but we collect this information standardized structured georeferenced. What that allows us to do is to start visualizing what's going on in your field, right? And visualization is incredibly powerful. Um, if you think just at the simplest level, think like the Fitbit dashboards that folks have, right? Um, it allows a person to just get a snapshot of their health or their activities, and that's what we allow our users to do as well. Here, you know, let's take a look at the cyclicality of pest outbreaks in the field. Let's overlay weather events on top of that. Um, you know, spider mite pressure went up. Did it rain? Did it, you know, it, let, let's start connect the dots. And that allows folks to connect the dots, and to me that aligns also with this aspect of a decision-making platform for our users. My agronomist users are always gonna be smarter than, than what we can give them. They've been out there in the field 20, 25 years, longer, less, whatever it may be, but that field is like, you know, oftentimes it's like their baby. It's kind of like if, 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 you, if you've got a dog, you can recognize your dog in a group of 20 other dogs, even if they're all the same breed. If somebody else comes in, they may not, they, they may not be able to tell the difference, right? But you know that that's, that's your dog. And that's how many of our users are in their fields. And so what we give them is the ability to analyze their fields um, in a different way than they have been in the past. And that connects to the visualization, that connects to the ability to search, et cetera. So that's that second step is visualization, still descriptive data. 
The next step for us is a predictive aspect. And these are things that we're starting to do, weather models, for example, if above X percent humidity and below Y, you know, Y degrees, we expect that you're gonna have an outbreak of this fungus. Is that gonna be 100% true? No, but it's gonna give the user the ability to, to make that informed choice on what to do because, hey, we're now starting to see a trend or a pattern in his or her field, and again, allows them to make that ultimate decision. Um, and so then you've got that, and you can just keep adding layers to it, right? So you can add soil information, weather information, um, the amount of treatment that they applied, right? Let's take a look at what happens if you apply one pound per acre versus 1.1 pound per acre of a different treatment. And it's really just about sophisticated data analysis um, and making sense of this stuff for a user so that they can make the decision. So is the user putting in this data on, on categories like humidity and soil fertilization, or is that process somehow automated? Yeah, so... The user inputted data is what the user sees out in the field, mm -hmm. test type, severity level. We collect a lot of automated data from different data feeds. So weather information, that's automated. Um, where the tractor has been, we integrate with John Deere, we pull that in. Aerial imagery, we've integrated with a few companies, we'll pull that in automatically for folks. Soil information, we pull that in automatically. So there, there's kind of two types of data streams. There's the automated data stream, which frankly, that's all that's commoditized data at this point. Um, if you're willing to pay for it, or if you, you know, built out the API connection, you can pull that in. And then there's a manual data feed, which is, which is where kind of our bread and butter comes in is allowing our users to easily, quickly and efficiently enter in the manual, um, manual data in a standardized structured georeferenced way. And then both of those two data feeds work together, um, work together in order to get to that ultimate decision-making platform for a user. Got it. Okay. So what are the demographics of your consumer base typically look like? Do you find they're the large-scale farmer? Are they a family-owned farm? Are both of the two able to you know, benefit kind of equally from your product? Yeah. So we've, we've purposely built FarmDog to be crop and region agnostic. Um, basically means it's fully customizable. So we've got users, we're being used on around a million and a half acres, mostly in the US and Canada, from lettuce and tomatoes in Florida to wheat and canola in Western Canada and everything in between. Um, in July, 2020, I believe we were used on in 27 or 28 different states, um, six or seven provinces in Canada, um, again, across a wide variety of crops. What, what kind of aligns most of our users is that they are the person making the decision or the recommendation on what treatment to apply for their field. And so really, if you take it one step deeper, most of our users today are agronomists or sophisticated growers who do the agronomic scouting aspect themselves. These folks span across um, field size types. So we've got, for example, strawberry folks with 10 acre fields, and we've got some of these large wheat folks in Western Canada with you know 5,000 acre fields, whatever it may be. Um, what brings, again, what brings most of our users together is what I call is, is they are sophisticated users. They know what they're looking for and they're, they just need a way to, to help organize everything. In terms of who does this help, it can help everybody. The, the ultimate vision can help everybody, that decision support platform, right? 
But if I bring it back to the to the day one value proposition of of um, of easy data accessibility, if you start to get to the you know to the one acre grower, I'll be honest, we're less helpful. We're still helpful, but if you've got one acre, oftentimes that grower knows what's going on in his or her field. Um, you know, they don't need it. We're not necessarily saving them a bunch of time by having them enter things into enter things digitally. Um, you know, it's no different than if if you if you're a runner and we're talking about Fitbits, if you run twice a week and each time you run a mile every time, like you don't necessarily need the Fitbit. Like you know, it's two times one times fifty two. You know, you run hundred four miles during the year. Like you you know what's going on, right? So yeah. the more yeah. the more you run or the more fields you have, the more the more acreage you have, the value proposition that we that we have increases. Oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So here is my last question. What are some of the biggest challenges facing agriculture tech companies today? And what qualities do you think an innovator in the field should have? So the challenges are, are really straightforward and this is every company in the space. It's adoption. Mm -hmm. It's adoption of ag tech. And the reason we've, the reason that's a challenge is, you know, it, there's a few things. One, growers are busy, right? Um, so first you got to track them down <laughs> Two is if you're going to have them adopt a new technology, you need to either be replacing, you know, a different process that they're doing or significantly saving them time on something. You can't just give them something new because you say, Hey, this will help you five years down the line. Um, the third aspect is, and probably should be the first one. Farming is very relationship based. And so Yes, I can go out and and go meet a grower in whatever Southwest Kentucky and speak with him or her, but they don't know me yet. And so you need to build up that trust. And it, you know, I think every every business is relationship based, but in agriculture, it's it's even more so. Um, that that's a challenge. And then the last aspect is really the ability to prove your value proposition, right? As I think. You know, as folks will say a farmer has, you know, 40 chances at, you know, at their livelihood in their life, right? Because 40, 40 growing seasons. And from that aspect, that also means that from a company perspective, you really have 40, you know, not 40 iterations, but you have one iteration per year to get it right. What does that mean? If you miss the beginning of the growing season for the farmer, you gotta wait until next year. And we that happened to us one time. We we're supposed to work with a very large strawberry grower in Florida. Our tech wasn't ready in time for the beginning of his growing season. We were like two weeks late. We get to him, he said, come back next year. Like, I'm not adopting this right now. The second aspect of this is, you know, great, you, your technology helped me reduce pesticide use this year compared to last year. But this year it also rained more than it did last year, it rained less, whatever it may be. I, as a farmer, am not yet convinced so let's do another pilot, right? And that's another year. And then eventually you start to branch out. Now, that's really challenging for a startup where a startup thinks in, you know, time frame for a startup is a year, a year and a half, right? We don't have five years worth of, worth of cash to, to make sure that we're around for that long aspect. And so that's another challenge for ag tech is, is there's a lot of really smart people working on things that may not necessarily have the resources to see it to see it all the way through. Um, so that's, um, you know, those were challenges. So it comes back to t adoption is the main one. 
um, and then timing and kind of the relationship aspect. In, in terms of what folks need to succeed, agriculture is an industry that brings a lot of really smart, dedicated, and people who are pleasant to work with. And I think that's that's a key. It's very rare that in this industry you'll find somebody that that is an asshole to be you know to be to be frank. Um, and so to work in the industry, you have to be able to work in that sort of environment. And it's funny to say, but not everybody can can successfully work in a nice industry. Um, that's number one. Number two is the ability to listen. Every grower is going to be different. And just because your technology has worked with a strawberry grow in California doesn't mean it's going to be relevant or work for a, um, a corn grower in Iowa. And to be successful, you need to be able to go out there and learn again from that new, from that new grower. And so it's the ability to listen and to adjust. Um, and then the third aspect is also humility. Um, this is, I think, you know, humility in, in the face of, um, adverse things that can affect your ability testing. So I'll give you an example. Last year we were supposed to test out, um, we're supposed to test out a new part of our technology in the Midwest. Last year, I think it was, you know, hundred year flood in the Midwest and we weren't able to test. Um, or if we were able to test the, the results were all over the place because, Hey, it rained five feet. We weren't expecting that. Right. And so it's humility in the face of technology and not being able to overcome things that you're not able to control. And so to me, those are the things. And then of course, the last one is just being smart, but you can define smart in a lot of different ways, right? You can be an incredible software engineer. You can be an incredible robotics person. You can be an incredible agronomist. Um, but that I think is you know, similar to every industry. If you want to succeed, you gotta, you gotta have smart folks on your team helping you out. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's been really inspirational and great having you on the show today. Uh, do you have any last, you know, words for our audience, you know, young people who have a passion in, or interest in pursuing sustainability or agriculture? Yeah, first of all, thank you for having me, Julian. Um, really appreciate the opportunity to chat about what we're doing and, and my thoughts on the industry. For all the young folks out there looking to get in the space, please do. Um, we need a lot of smart, passionate um, folks in the space. And, you know, we need y'all to come here and help us solve real problems as opposed to, you know, e-marketing optimization or, or, other, or other, other things of the sort. Those things are needed as well, but I think smart people have been doing that for, for long enough. We need you all over here. And I, you know, I would push folks to reach out, even if you don't come from the agriculture space. Like I said, I didn't. Reach out, learn about it. Um, agri agriculture industry is a, is a very important, powerful one that has a great future ahead of it. And we need more smart folks and passionate folks to get in here. And it's, uh, I encourage everybody to do so.
test test Test, test, test. 